0: Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. Today is episode 13. Join us as we discuss man-centered gospel versus God-centered gospel. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and by joining us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at Locust and Honey and on Instagram at Locust and Honey Podcast so sit back in your chairs pull up a nice hot cup of joe just sit back relax enjoy
1: the fire before you
0: get a nice blanket out of the dryer and wrap up
1: in it plug in your airpods and tune out of the world get a nice bowl of hot soup sitting by you slurp it up out of that spoon and think of us
0: enjoy Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Well, hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Andrew. And this is episode 13. Crazy. Yep. We've been doing this over three months now.
1: Yep. We're
0: basically Baker's veterans. dozen. Yeah. Yeah. Does that mean 13?
1: Yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah, we're pretty much pros at
0: this Yeah, point. I mean, basically, I mean, yeah. watch out, Joe Rogan. We're coming for your job.
1: Yeah, we'll see if we get canceled. Well, we're, we're on get Spotify, there. too. Yeah.
0: People haven't pulled any music off because we're on there, though. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. Well, we're glad that you're here. And I'm excited about this episode today. Today we're looking at the man-centered gospel versus a God-centered gospel. Andrew. That's me. We had a question from a listener. Oh, did we? Yes, we did. All right. So I'm going to pose the question to you, okay? Okay. But I can't do it just yet because I have a, a burning question that I need to ask you. Okay. What are you into?
1: I am into CrossFit.
0: You got to CrossFit?
1: Well, not exactly. I go to the gym and, and we do CrossFit. Well, uh-huh. We go to the gym and do CrossFit, the two of us. And so it's been kicking my tail lately. And my wife is also going to the gym, but she goes at a different time. So I go with her. So I've been going so quite a bit. So you're double dipping. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Man. I've been going quite a bit here lately. But with her, we, don't, we do mostly strength training stuff. But in the mornings, we'll go at 6 in the morning and we'll do CrossFit stuff. And it has, and actually we've really only been doing it for a week because at the last gym we were at, we couldn't really do it, but the gym we're at now, they've got the right equipment for it. And so it has been interesting because it has worked out muscles that I didn't think that doing those exercise would work, exercises would work out. Yeah, Like I'll be sore after doing a workout from CrossFit in places that I didn't. Think I'd be soaring because I didn't think we were working out those muscles, you know. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, so, would you say that your wife has said that your tone now?
1: <laughs> um, I, I suppose you could say that. Yeah. I have been not really noticing much of a difference in myself, but my wife said that my muscles in my arms and stuff feel a little more solid. So. Well, there you go. You're solid. That's that's all I need to hear. There you, there go. you
0: go. All right. Well, I am into working out as well (laughs) uh because we just got a new gym membership me and my wife and yeah it's been fun i have to go tomorrow morning and get my full body scan and they're gonna make a 3d image of me (laughs) which will not will not be fun yeah um but it'll be it'll be good. It'll let me know exactly how much weight I need to lose because I can figure out what my bone and muscle weight is and then what else is fat. <laughs> <laughs> so I can lose that. But I'm also with going to the gym, I've been running out of clothes and so I'm into bar fitness. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, biblical and reformed. It's actually a podcast, but they have a they have a fitness clothing line as well, Bar Fitness, and I just got my first sweatshirt on order so that I can rock it. All right, at the gym. It's gonna make me lift a lot more weight than you. Well, I'm sure it will. I think it's a guarantee
1: that I, I wouldn't doubt it. If I mean, you wear
0: the sweatshirt, you can lift more weight. Yeah. So yeah. So it's I'm excited like, about like that. Like
1: Samson's hair type stuff. It it kind of is. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: So I'm excited about that. Going to rock some bar fitness at the gym as we do our CrossFit style workouts. Now, we're not claiming to be CrossFitters like Andrew claimed <laughs> because we don't. Don't misread what I'm saying. We're not CrossFitters, but. but we are doing CrossFit type workouts. And it's been fun. We've been having a good time, sweating a lot,
1: getting in shape.
0: Yeah. But that reminds me, Paul said that bodily training is of some value. But you know what else he said? What did he say? He said, godliness is of value in every way, and it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So while us working out, we're both into it and it's been fun, that only holds value for this life. But godliness holds value for the life to come. So let's talk about godliness. Specifically, let's talk about a man-centered gospel versus a God-centered gospel. All right. And with that, I've got that question from that listener.
1: Mm. All right, you ready Mm. for it now? Okay.
0: All right, so here's the question. Our unnamed listener, I don't want to disclose her her identity. She said, Andrew, Mm. why are you guys always picking on Elevate and Bethel music so much? What is the matter with Reckless Love?
1: Well, I would say to the listener... Number one, we've got...
0: Well, number one, we would say, thank you for your question.
1: Right, yeah, thank you for your question. Gosh, we learn my manners?
0: And, uh, hey, hold on, before you answer that question, yeah, yeah, yeah. since we're talking about this, our episodes that we do, because me and you had this conversation the other day, so we might as well let the listeners know. The episodes that we do, we do to spark conversation. We're not saying that each and every episode is a open and closed case for whatever we're talking about. Mm. It's just food for thought. We try to give a, a biblical response to either things that are happening in culture or common questions that we see or questions that we have. And, uh, and then we just try to speak a little bit of truth of the gospel into that. And so we enjoy you guys' questions. We enjoy following up on these conversations because, like I said, each episode is meant to spark a conversation, not just be a, an end in unto itself. Yeah. So... Thanks for the question, listener. Go
1: ahead. Sorry. I would say that, first of all, the issue with specifically Bethel stuff is that Bethel church has got some serious theological stuff going on that...
0: Now by theological stuff, do you mean like good theological stuff?
1: No, I mean like they believe stuff... Like air? Yes. And a lot of times that theology that I would not say is scriptural. Well, I Um, I think the
0: Bible would also say that it's not scriptural. Well, that's what matters.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It flows into their songs a lot of times. Not that every Bethel song or Elevation song or whatever is a bad song, but...
0: Would a Hillsong song be called a Hillsong song or just a Hillsong?
1: (laughs) I've always called them Hillsong songs, but that's because I like to say that. Or a Hillsong song. Not that they're all bad songs, but they do come from a stream that is flowing from a bad area so for that reason i would say number one i wouldn't necessarily sing those songs on a sunday morning because we want to now when you
0: say you wouldn't necessarily does that mean sometimes you would well, no, just I, I
1: just, I wouldn't. Okay. But I said necessarily to soften the blow. Why? <laughs> because ultimately the Lord has, and we've talked about this before, but the Lord has revealed to us how he desires to be worshiped. He desires to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. And in that, if we are singing songs on Sunday mornings on the Lord's day, that did not come from a place of truth. So
0: that place of truth, would that have anything to do with man-centered gospel versus a God-centered gospel?
1: Yeah. So a lot of Bethel songs and and a lot of Bethel's theology and Hillsong's theology and Elevation's theology is very man-centered. So it's all about me. If I want to have a relationship with the Lord, basically— so that I can find peace or I can find meaning or I can find rest and reconciliation with people that I've... uh, My life has been a mess so far. I want to clean up my life, so I'm going to go and have a relationship with Christ and he's going to help me do that. It it turns it into somewhat of a self-help thing, but also... Well,
0: I think it's self-idolatry.
1: Right. and uh, Yeah, because ultimately in that, you're not worshiping the Lord, you're worshiping yourself and you're kind of using the Lord to do that. As a vehicle for self-worship. Yeah, we're using... Um,
0: spirituality or even Christianity as a vehicle to worship ourselves. Right. Like I I pulled up the lyrics to Reckless Love. And there's another song that I'm just going to throw in here with it. And that's The Blessing by Carrie Job. And so both of them, two things that stuck out is Reckless Love, the title Reckless Love, first of all, that is not a word that we'll see in scripture <laughs> that God is reckless in his love for us. That was uh a word that the author chose to put in that song. And basically there's that line that says he gives himself away for us, mm-hmm. you know, and and ultimately that kind of sums up that song is uh, God gives himself away for us in his reckless love. And that's just bad theology. It makes us feel good and people love it because there is also truth in that song. But ultimately what that's saying is God does all these things leaves all these other sheep. He climbs these mountains. He tears down walls. He busts through doors because recklessly he's pursuing me, you know, but that's not how God pursues us. It's not reckless. It's not without abandonment.
1: Right. And and that particular song, you know, it it stems from the parable of the lost sheep. So Jesus is using a parable and he says that Good Shepherd leaves the ninety nine for the one sheep right. that uh, is is lost.
0: Well, what I was going to ask is, yeah. where does he leave the ninety nine sheep? You know, there yeah, yeah, he leaves them in his stable, right? You know,
1: um, or pasture.
0: But if you think about that, like this is safe area. I'm leaving them to go find the one that's in danger mm-hmm. of my sheep. He's not going and finding all lost sheep,
1: right? right?
0: He's going to find his one lost sheep that's in peril, mm-hmm. and brings it back to the safe 99 sheep that are right. his. That's not reckless, mm-hmm. what he's doing, you know. It's just a, it's a, a horrible cho- choice of word. But I think, and, and my point is, it's a horrible choice of word because of the theology that's coming out of Bethel Church, and the theology that's coming out of Bethel Church. And this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at man-centered gospel in music and man-centered gospel in preaching, and, and they go hand in hand because the music that's coming out of Bethel is inspired and ultimately a product of the preaching that's coming out of Bethel. Right. And same thing for Elevate and same thing for Hillsong, all, you know, all of that mainstream. I would say the majority, if you go on any Christian radio station, 95% of the songs are man centered in their gospel that they're presenting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're not God-centered songs. Right. Um, and, and, and the best way that you can know that is what is ultimately what is the purpose of that song? What's it talking about? Is it glorifying you, the listener, which is gonna help them sell CDs or downloads <laughs> or <laughs> <CDs>. eight tracks? <laughs> well it's a CD. <laughs> but ultimately it's easier to get a, a wider audience if you're having a man-centered gospel. It's harder to get a, a wide audience if you have a God-centered gospel. But one glorifies God, the other glorifies the creation rather yeah. than the creator.
1: And I think a lot of that stems from, I guess, a movement that that was more popular back at well in its beginnings when it was talked about, I guess, a lot more, which is like the seeker-sensitive movement, which is the idea that we want to appeal to to lost people problem with that is that lost people have a completely different set of desires because if you're lost if you are not in christ then that means that so if i'm lost that means i am my own god ultimately it comes down to me being my own god wanting the best for me and um worshiping myself uh, rather, well, worship the created rather than the creator. And so if we, if we try to appeal to lost people in that way, then the only way that you're going to do it is to make songs that glorify self. Yeah. You know. Well,
0: and I think sticking with the the theme of sheep, if you look at what Christ said, he said, my sheep hear my voice and mm. they follow me because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And I would say that somebody who's in the word on a consistent basis can listen to any song on the radio today, and they can either hear the voice of the shepherd, which is Christ, or they hear the voice of another shepherd, which is self-worship or self-love or self-gratification or just feeling good, you know what I mean? And they're going to be drawn to one of those two things. Yeah,
1: and I think too that a lot of what we're talking about with man-centered gospel, it's it's kind of sneaky in a way because in the gospel of Christ, you do have effects of that, which as children of God, yes, we get to revel in God's faithfulness. We get to live in that. We get to walk in that. We get to praise him because of that. We get, yes, we get to, when we die, go to be with the Lord, you know, and those are good things. Those are effects of the gospel. But the problem is that that is not the main point necessarily. So like, I think
0: a good example is The Blessing, Carrie Job's song. Not one time in that song does it give worship or praise to God. The whole purpose of that song is He is for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of like what you're saying. So that's not a worship song. Right. That, now, that's not, I'm not saying that's not a song that Christians can't listen to, mm-hmm. because if we're in Christ, then He is for us because of Christ, though, not right. because of us.
1: And a lot of that, even that song, a lot of it, is found in scripture right. in different parts right. you know right but
0: but and what so what we're saying though is on the lord's day and this goes kind of back to when we were looking at the tale of two tables mm-hmm. and we kind of broke down the 10 commandments and or maybe it was biblical worship yeah One I of think those it two. was
1: biblical versus burger king yeah
0: and and we gave the regulative principle of worship but god has told us how he desires to be worshiped and he desires to get the glory mm-hmm. right and in these songs it's bringing man the glory right i like vody bachum he made a statement in a sermon one time and he said listening to the majority of the songs on the radio today you get the impression that god stumbled up on us and was like whoa these people are awesome yeah like i need to save these people they're really cool they're really deserving They're really great. I'm going to save them. But that's not the gospel at all. And ultimately, looking at a man-centered gospel, it it drives us to realize that God doesn't need us at all. The the thing that makes him God is he doesn't need anything. Mm -hmm. He's not dependent on us. He's not dependent. He's self-sustained. Right, You know, so God didn't need to create the world. He didn't need to create us. Uh, He didn't need us to be with him in heaven for all of eternity. God is self-sufficient, self-sustaining. And then another thing that Bodhi said in that same sermon is God's going to prove that he doesn't need any of us because one day all of us are going to die and the world's going to keep on spinning just like it has before. Like God does not need us. Now that flies right in the face of a lot of preaching that you hear today. Mm -hmm. And I think that that stems from there's a lot of pastors that really believe God needs them, that they are gifted in reaching people or that they're gifted in convincing people of things or that they're gifted in whatever it is. You know, there's a lot of preachers that really, though they might not say it, they live their life with the idea that God needs me. And the way that this looks is there's a lot of pastors that live lives of unrepentance. They don't repent of sin. They just, well, I got this that I struggle with, and but that's okay because God's really using me and he needs me. No, there's a standard for a pastor. And if we don't meet those standards, then we don't qualify to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Same thing with deacons. There's a standard. And if somebody was to say that, well, nobody can meet those standards, that shows that we think God needs us, you know, that's, he gave us a standard because he doesn't need us. He desires people that are being used and filled by him and therefore they're being sanctified by him and he's allowing people to meet those standards. Right. But with pastors that think that it leads to gospels that think that God needs us Mm -hmm. and it leads to what we've been talking about, this man-centered gospel. You can see a lot of the big mega churches are preaching a man-centered gospel, whether it's what's-his-face or what's-his-face.
1: Stephen Furtick or Stephen Bill Furtick, Johnson.
0: Bill Johnson. What's the guy out of Atlanta? The son of that other Andy guy. Stanley. Yeah, Andy Stanley. Um, Big church out in Texas.
1: Joel Osteen. Joel
0: Osteen.
1: Yeah, I got it. I got it.
0: I know, you got the names. But there's a lot of people that are... Getting a lot of ears to listen to mm-hmm. what they're saying. But what they're saying is that we are the sinner. You know,
1: mm-hmm. one
0: thing that I heard Piper say a long time ago is most people today, they go to church and they view it like a courtroom. And so God is on trial and they're the juror and the preacher's going to be the attorney and he's going to plead the case of Christ. And if they're convinced, then they'll believe in Christ. Right. But what Piper said is, the gospel is the complete opposite of that and if you look at the new testament it's it's not like that at all
1: mm-hmm.
0: what what actually happens is God is the judge and we are the ones that are guilty, but Christ intercedes on our behalf and takes our punishment of death. Right. And that's the, that's the gospel. That's yeah. the the glorious gospel. So God doesn't need us. Even what John Piper said, it kind of ties into the last point that I had. And that is the fact that God doesn't need us is the beauty of the gospel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, w- what it ultimately shows is that even though God doesn't need us, he still decided to redeem us. He still decided to sacrifice himself for us to ultimately breathe life into us, us being dead in our sins and trespasses, to bring us back into his fold after sinning and completely going against him and his ways and his word. And ultimately, that's what, I mean, Ephesians 2, it says, but God, out of his abundance of love and mercy, ultimately, his abundance, he is overflowing with it to the point that it... Well, um, and that's
0: why I opened with Ephesians 1. Yeah. Because everything that I read is the God-centered gospel. It's God doing all of this stuff because he decided to do it, mm-hmm. not because we deserved it. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right. And all of this shows the glory of God. And it brings the glory to him because none of us have earned salvation. Mm-hmm. None of us are good enough. None of us are just these awesome people that deserve to go to heaven. All of us deserve to go to hell. Right. But the good news of the gospel is that while we are these undeserved people that deserve to go to hell, God still loved us and still saved us. And he does have love for us, and he does pursue that one sheep, but he does it in a way that is not reckless. It's, uh, it's glorious.
1: Well, also, he knew what he was doing. He counted the cost. He had it all planned out from the beginning. Right. From before time began, you know, really from— Eternity past, and and this is something too that,
0: and by He we mean all three persons of the Trinity,
1: right? And this is something that I think I wanted to to get into a little bit too is the, and I, I may have mentioned it earlier, but the fact that it is kind of sneaky the way that these things can become man centered. So when I was in college, I led worship a lot, and I'm you know I'm a worship leader now, obviously, but back then I was doing a lot more contemporary stuff. That's, I, I like to tell people, that's how I was trained. <laughs> right. Um. I kind of got brought up in that. And I would sing Reckless Love. I would sing these songs that I was saying to myself, okay, this song is about Christ's love for us. I think in my heart and in my mind, my personal theology may not have been that off, but I was not recognizing what I was singing in the song and what I was saying, which is that, When you say, when you say reckless, for example, that's, a kind of meaning that the Lord sort of out of the blue decided to do this. You know what I mean? That he saw us and out of him seeing us decided that he was going to leave the 99 for the 1. Yeah, so the definition you know? of
0: reckless is without thinking or caring about the consequences of an action.
1: Right. Well, he thought about the consequences of the action. He planned it out from the very beginning, you know? Right. <laughs> from from the before the foundation of the world. Well, and if God's all-knowing, you know?
0: he can't do things without.
1: Well, yeah. He can't be reckless. Right. But I think that that's that same thing that was going on with me in my head back then of well, you know it's it's fine it's not it's just a new way that people describe the Lord or it's whatever you kind of you start to push back in your head those things that maybe are red flags, right? And you try to find the gospel in the song or in the preaching or whatever, and um, I think that. Over time, that begins to make you more and more numb to all of that stuff.
0: Well, it becomes Um, the gospel too. Well, yeah, it does.
1: And I think that's what happens in mega churches, but I think it also happens in small country churches where we're all concerned about going to heaven.
0: Yeah, no, I I would say that a man-centered gospel is probably the predominant gospel that's preached on a Sunday. Right. If you take the average of all the churches in America.
1: It's not just a big mega church problem. It's a lot of churches because I I think again, that what it does with the way it creeps itself in is honestly is in line with the way that Satan works a lot of times where he'll take a truth about something. Right. And then twist it.
0: When you were talking about that, I was, I was going to take you back to what I just taught the youth on Wednesday night we were looking at Genesis three in the fall.
1: Yeah. And
0: Satan comes to Eve initially and he says, Did God really say that you can't eat any tree of the garden? And so there was truth in that. Right. God said something about eating a tree or the fruit of a a tree. Yeah. But what he said was, I've given you all the trees to eat but of this one, you shall not eat. Right. And what I talked about too was he didn't say that you shall not eat it because I want to be, like, I want to trick you. He said you can eat of all the fruit, but of this one you can't eat because if you eat it, you shall surely die. Right. You know, Satan takes that truth and he contorts it to, man, God's this legalistic, like, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's so bad. He won't let you eat any of the fruit in the garden. Right. But people do that too, so... I'm sure somebody will hear this episode and say, man, these guys are just so judgmental and so legalistic that they are saying you can't even listen to reckless love because of one word, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is the truth of the gospel is important, but that we don't get to define what the gospel is. God has already defined it in scripture. Mm -hmm. When we're corporately gathering together, the songs that we sing need to be songs that he's already laid out for us. Yeah. It doesn't need to be something new that we've made up, that strange fire that mm-hmm. we've talked about before. Yeah. Now, so what I'm not saying is everybody that's riding in their car can never listen to Bethel or Hillsong or any of that. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you what to do and what kind of music to listen to. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about is when the saints are gathered on the Lord's Day, this is definitely something that should not be sung or a gospel that should not be preached right is that man-centered gospel
1: yeah something else that I thought about with all of it is the fruit that it produces within the church and within the just with yeah within the body of believers the local body of believers but also within the macro scale church we are in a place where we don't have a, a lot of Christians today don't necessarily have the backbone that they need and the reason is because we are not, we don't have the gospel right in our own heads, a lot of us. And so it is a very important thing. It's not one of those things where we're kind of coming on here. We're saying, well, you know, this is just a preference that we have or, you know what I mean? It actually has consequences because what happens is we become worshipers of self. And if we are worshipers of self, we're not standing on the rock of Christ. If we're not standing on the rock of Christ, we're building our house on the sand. Well, and you can't serve two masters. Right.
0: You either love the one and hate the other, or you serve the one and hate the other. Right. We're either going to be worshiping self or we're going to be worshiping God. Right. And he's told us how to worship him. Yeah. And he's told us what not to do. So you either love the world or you love the light. Right. We can't love both.
1: Right. Kind of Christ saying, if you're not with me, you're against me. Right. You know. A
0: good way that I heard it put is it's like swimming. You're either actively seeking after him And like staying afloat or you're drowning, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: what really makes it to add on to a lot of these things that we're talking about as to why it's so relevant that we have this discussion is how are we going to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture if we don't actually speaking of the true gospel? And where does that come from? Well, ultimately, it comes from who we are deciding to worship. Are we deciding to worship the Lord or are we deciding to worship ourselves? So when we look out and we say, man, things are so tough, man, things are so, the culture is just so downstream at this point that we can't even see it anymore. Right. Well, the way that we have got, I mean, the first step we've got to take is we've got to tear down the idol of ourselves and worship the Lord as he desires. But And that all,
0: yeah, and I would take it further. And I would say that the heart of it is more so here. If God is for me, and he gives himself away for me, then why should I even repent of my sin? Right. And and so if you look at John the Baptist, repent for the Lord draweth nigh. The call is to repentance. And that is the the crux of that's the initial phase of the gospel. Mm-hmm. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There has to be this turning from sin, there has to be this repentance. And if I'm hearing a man-centered gospel, and if I'm hearing man-centered music, there's no desire to repent. Now, if I'm hearing a God-centered gospel in music and in preaching, it draws me to repentance. Right. The biggest thing that we need in the American church today is repentance. We have a ton to repent for mm-hmm. as individuals and as a nation and as the American church. There's a lot of stuff that we've got to repent for, but we're using this man-centered gospel in music and in preaching as this band-aid that makes us feel a little bit better, but it's not actually healing the wound that's killing us. Right. And so that's what we need is we need to clean out the wound, and the only way to do that is to repent. Mm Mm-hmm but that's what a god centered gospel drives us to. Mm-hmm. It drives us to repentance.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the Isaiah 6 moment where you you see and behold the holiness of God, you look at yourself and and realize, you know, what was me? What was me? Right. You know, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then there's that purification that
0: takes place, but right. that's painful. Right. You know, it hurts. It's coal. Yeah. Hot coal. Yeah. There's got to be that purification and that repentance that when we're faced with the holiness of God, when we're singing songs and hearing sermons that present God as who he is, mm-hmm. the three persons of the Trinity and what he's done. So if you want to know what that looks like, go back to Ephesians that I read. It shows us all three persons of the Trinity and and what they've done for our salvation. Yeah. And once we see him as he is, it drives us to fall on our knees and say, Woe is me, for mm-hmm. I'm undone. Right. You know, because I'm standing in the presence of a holy God and I'm a sinner, I have to repent of my sin. Mm-hmm. And then we're purified by the truth of the gospel. Right. But if we're singing the love of the gospel without the damnation of the gospel, then that's a man-centered gospel. Right. And it's drawing people to worship themselves or worship the creation rather than the creator. I think that's kind of the crux of the whole
1: issue. Yeah. Ultimately, too, it uh, helps to... I don't know. I forgot where I was going with that.
0: Ultimately, too, it helps, too.
1: Well, that's what I said, but I lost my train of thought as I was talking.
0: Oh, man. What were you going to ultimately bring us to?
1: What I was trying to get at... <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was thinking of within the church, and, and part of the reason why you've got a lot of people who would say that Christians are hypocrites and... Stuff and then you hear you hear stories of deconstructionism and people just completely you know leaving their faith and yeah. and all these things. Well, I think that was also a side effect of what happens when you realize that even if I do all these, even if I worship the Lord and and pray to Him and and petition to Him of all these things that I want, all these things that I need. I mean, what what happens if or when I still don't? get there, you well, know? And
0: I think it would be interesting if there's any deconstructionists that happen to listen to this, reach out to us, because I'd like to sit down and talk to you. Yeah. But I wonder how many of those people that have deconstructed from their faith actually are deconstructing from a man-centered gospel.
1: Yeah. In uh, which case, <laughs> that's not a bad thing, really. Well, but, you it, know? Yeah, that would be... I it, mean...
0: And they're just ending up where they started. Right. And where they were the whole time.
1: Right. Anyway.
0: That would be an interesting conversation to have, though, is... What is the gospel that you're deconstructing from? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there's some people that have heard the true gospel and rejected, right? Because all of us reject the gospel, mm-hmm. but I, I'm sure there's a lot
1: more people Unless that are, the Lord opens our eyes to see,
0: right? But I'm sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and but what I'm saying is, I'm sure there's a lot of people, probably more so the majority. That are deconstructing from a man centered gospel. So like right. if you look at Gunger, you know, him and his wife deconstructed, but he was leading he was leading worship at Joel Osteen. Yeah, he was leading worship for Joel Osteen's <laughs> church. You yeah. know? So what are you deconstructing from? Right. Your best life now. Right. But that's 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 part of what that breeds is deconstructionism and how big that is today. You just go on Twitter. You see all these different people that are deconstructing their faith. But that's a byproduct of a man-centered gospel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And what we need is pastors and believers to take a stand on a God-centered gospel and proclaim that to their friends, to their coworkers, on their podcast, wherever they're at, to whoever the Lord's put in our path. We need to proclaim the God-centered gospel, that we're sinners, that we deserve hell, that we have earned hell, that we have rejected. And like what you said, that whole Romans one, no Mm -hmm. one seeks after God. No, not one. We all deserve to go to hell. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. God sent Christ to die for us. And those who believe in him will be saved. Yeah. And so the, the call is to seek after Christ and, to put your faith in Christ. And mm-hmm. faith is a belief acted on. Right. So don't just proclaim it with your lips. But if that belief produces action in your life, which, which is faith, then we will be saved. Mm-hmm. You know? Um. I got to make sure that doesn't sound Catholic.
1: If the faith produces action in your life, then you will be saved.
0: If the belief produces action, which is what faith is, belief acted on. Yeah. Because then that belief's not coming from yourself. It's something that the Lord's done in you. Mm -hmm. If He changes us, He's going to produce fruit in us because we're abiding in Him and He's abiding in us. Right. For apart from Him, we can do nothing but in Him,
1: He does it all
0: through us. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's a good spot to end it for the day. Uh, If you're still here, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And as a teaser, for those of you that are still here, next week we're going to be looking at theonomy versus autonomy. Mm. That'll be fun. So, yeah, I hope that you all have a good Lord's Day. Me too. And we will talk to you next week.
1: That we will. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.